This is part five now on 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 to 5. And we're going to focus on this form of speech called prayer, and yet not exactly the same as prayer because it's a bi-directional. It's spoken in two directions. May the Lord direct your hearts. So he's really addressing the Lord. May the Lord do something, right? May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God. And may the Lord direct your hearts to the steadfastness of Christ. So what we're going to do is try to see how this particular bi-directional prayer relates to the one just before this in chapter 2, verse 17, and what goes in between. So, Father, I pray that you would teach us to think like this, write like this, speak to each other like this. Not many of us do. When we say to someone, may the Lord do so-and-so to you, it's a very powerful form of speech, and Paul models it for us. It's a, it's a combination of exhortation and encouragement on the one hand, and, and prayer to you on the other hand, and has a very unusual effect in that regard. And so Paul wants us to see how he does it, and I pray that you'd teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go back and see uh, the prayer that he prayed like this in the preceding verse, and then follow the train of thought and how he prays it again. So here we are now back in verses 16 and 17 of the preceding chapter, so just before verses 1 to 5 of chapter 3. Now may the Lord, Jesus Christ himself, and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your... So he's, he's speaking to God that he would do something May, may the Lord Jesus and the Father do something, but he's addressing it to you. May he comfort or encourage your hearts, and may he establish those hearts in every good work and word. So that's a, that's a prayer just like this one. But let's not jump to verse 5 yet. Let's follow what he says in between. So in between the prayer, so we got prayer in uh, verse uh, 2.17. He says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run and be glorified, just as also with you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for faith is not of all. And then he turns back from the concern with his own uh, ministry to pick up exhortation and encouragement and prayer for them again. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you. Now, I underline will establish you because here it's a prayer. May the Lord establish you. May the Lord Jesus establish your hearts, them, your hearts, in every good work. So he's asking God, Stabilize, strengthen, make firm every good resolve for work and word here, and turn it into reality with great stability and strength 
That's a prayer. And now he's saying, God is faithful. He'll do it. So you've got prayer and you've got, I'll call this promise. In 3.3. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And then he says, and we're confident. We have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are in fact doing and will do the things we command. So I'm going to call three, four, confidence or faith in the promise, right? He's just said, God is faithful. He'll do this. He'll establish you, particularly establish you in all these good works that I'm commending to you. And now I'm saying in verse 4, I've got confidence he's going to do it because he's faithful. So God, um, Paul, has faith in the promise which he prayed for. And now he says, may the Lord, and he returns to prayer. So verse 217 is a prayer, and now he prays again. May the Lord, only this time, instead of praying for a comfort of heart, and instead of praying for, what was the other one? Establishment in every good work. In other words, these are uh, experiences in the heart that come from somewhere, and firmness in the heart that comes from somewhere yielding good works. So you got comfort and you've got establish meant in works. So that's what he prayed for earlier. Now, how does that compare to this prayer? May the Lord direct your heart. So hearts are here again. Remember, here it's comfort your hearts and establish your hearts. So he's dealing with the heart again here. May the Lord direct your hearts to two things, the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. I take this love to mean God's love for us rather than our love for him because this is Christ's steadfastness. And so I think the parallel would suggest this is God's love. So, God, I'm asking you, Paul says, that you would cause the hearts of the Thessalonians to see, savor, understand, know, embrace, treasure what it is to be loved by you. And secondly, I'm asking you, God, that you would cause their hearts to to see and savor and be encouraged and strengthened by the amazing endurance of Jesus Christ through all of his sufferings in his wonderful obedience to the Father. Oh, what an inspiring Christ and his steadfastness. Oh, what love of God. And so he's pleading with God not to let the hearts of the saints be oblivious to these glorious realities, right? Direct. Do you pray that for yourself? I pray this for myself all the time. I say, God, my heart is going in so many directions. 
take hold of my heart and make it go toward your love. Make it go toward the steadfastness of Christ. This is the way we should pray. We shouldn't presume any kind of desire for maintaining our own autonomy over our hearts. Oh my goodness, what a failure that is. If we control our hearts, they're going to go wrong. We are pleading with God, control, direct my heart to your love and the steadfastness of Christ. Now, how does that relate to this? It seems to me that here you have encouragement or comfort of heart that may correlate with the love of God. You want to get your heart comforted and encouraged? Look at the love of God for you. Oh, be aware, heart, of God's love for you, and thus feel the encouragement, feel the comfort. And do you want a heart that is firm and strong and established in every obedient work? Oh, look at the firmness and durability and endurance of Christ. So that's my guess as to how Paul was thinking about the relationship between this prayer and and this prayer. Here the hearts are to be comforted and established, and here he's going beneath, beneath that comfort and establishment and saying, and here's where they come from. The comfort of your heart comes from being directed in your heart by God to the love of God. The, the, the strength and establishment and firmness of your heart in obedience comes from being directed by God to the beautiful endurance and steadfastness of Christ. So I'm going to put a 3-5 out here and call it prayer again. This is prayer. So I've got one, two, three, four pieces. And the reason I put the margins the way I did was because that's the sequence in this direction that they actually happen. The most deep thing that has to happen in your heart is your heart to be stop going after the world for its comfort and start going after the love of God and the steadfastness. When it does, this prayer becomes a reality in comfort of heart and establishment of heart. When that happens, Paul is confident that God is faithfully at work in their lives, and he says, it's going to happen. God is faithful. This establishment of your hearts that I have prayed for is, in fact, going to happen. And then he expresses his own confidence here. So, God is faithful. He'll do it. I have confidence, therefore. And that's the way it goes in our lives. I think we pray for our hearts to have that direction. We pray, secondly, for built on that direction to have this encouragement and strength. We take heart from the promise of God that He'll do just what we have prayed, and we walk into life with confidence and, and faith in that assurance from God. So I think the overall lesson here is. Paul weaves praying, praying, 
praying together with teaching, 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 because he knows this Lord right here has to do this sovereign work on our hearts, or we will never be established as we ought in these good works and words.